Welcome to another episode of the Good Listening To Show, your life and times with me, Chris Grimes. The storytelling show that features The Clearing, where all good questions come to get asked and all good stories come to be told. And where all my guests have two things in common. They're all creative individuals and all with an interesting story to tell. There are some lovely storytelling metaphors. A clearing, a tree, a juicy storytelling exercise called 54321, some alchemy, some gold, a cheeky bit of Shakespeare and a cake. So it's all to play for. So yes, welcome to the Good Listening To Show, your life and times with me, Chris Grimes. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we shall begin. Welcome to a very exciting episode of the Good Listening To Show, where we're actually at Hooray for Hollywood. We're going all the way to Hollywood, uh, where we're trebucheting across the Atlantic to speak to a Scottish expat, as he now lives in Hollywood. But this is the wonderful Scottish BAFTA award-winning actor, Tony, as you've got on your name tag, Bo Curran. I don't suspect, I think you've had it hijacked by your daughter, haven't you? <laughs> yes. I've had most things hijacked by my daughter, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when, uh, and that's going to continue for the next, you know, number of years. And you've just handbrake slid into the clearing because you've taken Bo to school in Hollywood, I understand. Yes, yeah, and we live in sort of uh, um, Santa Monica, Brentwood area, and I've gone all the way on the, the motorway, the freeway, as they call it over here, over to Hollywood. She goes to fashion camp. As, as you as you do, um, Chris. is that a summer so, recess thing, fashion camp, or you're not on summer recess there? Oh, it's what's on summer summer recess right now. It's all yep. uh, summer thing here. Yeah, tennis camp, fashion camp, dance camp, and uh, you know, I didn't have any of those camps when I was a child. I used to climb trees and you know mug people in the south side. <laughs> it was a sort of a, you know it was an extracurricular activity, but it was fun and cathartic. Well, and I, it didn't, as my mother would say, you turned out all right. You, you did turn out all right because, well, let's well, go. That's there. questionable. That's questionable. But anyway, it depends who you ask. Well, you've turned out all right because actually you've not just won one BAFTA. You you won a Scottish BAFTA back in 2006, I believe. But you've just, just, just won the Scottish BAFTA for your extraordinary performance in Mayflies. Well, actually, it wasn't a Scottish BAFTA. It was a... It was a uh, um, RTS Royal Television Society Award, but there you go. Pardon but not, me, but not to be sniffed at, but uh, it's no. always nice knowledge for things you do. So there you go. And by the way, talking of fashion camp, I wonder if Bo, your daughter, has actually given you a bit of a makeover. You're wearing, for those that are watching, you can see he's wearing the most gorgeous um, green beret. Uh, yes, Symphony of Green today, uh, Mr. Symphony of Green. Actually, it's it, the, the the Symphony of Green, the berry. Uh, hides a, a bad hair day. And it's also a salute to the man that asked me to do this, that put me forward to my friend, Cal McEninch. Yes. He bought, he bought me this, uh, I think Cal bought me this like 25 years ago, this hat. Uh, it's a little Paul Smith number. Um, and uh, I thought I'd wear it in his, uh, you know, and, to honour him. <laughs> well, that's lovely of you to do that, because, yes, indeed, Cal McEninch, who's rode the Atlantic, as we know, and is a glorious fellow uh, Scottish actor, he's had two rows through the clearing, actually, and he indeed passed the golden baton on to you, which I'm, I have to say, a little bit of we came out when he mentioned your name. I was very, very excited, because you've got, <laughs> you've got so many bangers uh, to your name in TV and film, and I won't do you justice, but um, Ray Donovan, Sons of Anarchy, Boardwalk Empire, 
You've been the most brilliant Frankie the Bodyguard to Michael Stuhlberg in two seasons of Your Honor recently. So it's all been sort of nom, 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 televisual stuff. So um, it's wonderful to have you here. Thank you. It's nice to be here. And it's been a, a really lovely day spent actually researching you. I'm, I'm watching um, The Outlaw King, sorry. Outlaw King with Chris Payne, yeah, yeah. Extraordinary. Yeah. I was watching that today and loving it. And I've just rewatched Mayflies, which has the most beautiful end montage, which is almost a perfect ending for you because of your love of football as well, where you're doing this wonderful bit of keepy uppy just before you swallow the last bitter pill of uh, dignitas. Um, yes, extraordinary indeed, montage. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's quite a yeah. Peter Mackey Burns, our director, it was a it was a beautiful um, uh, crescendo, if you will, if I can call it like that, to the uh, end of the story. A lot of people are like, how is this going to end? You know, it's so it's so moving, it's so um, uh, stirring and sad. But um, uh, no, it was, uh, and there was no visual effects used with me doing my uh, keepy uppies. I, I swear to God, that was all real. You know, twenty two takes later, but um, <laughs> no, <laughs> it was only twenty takes. No, but uh, no, it was. Uh, it's quite a poignant, um, uh, you know, beautiful way in, uh, to to end it. To end it, I thought it was. Uh, yeah, a lot of people shed a tear. Shed more than shed a few tears at that ending, yeah. I mean, it was described by The Guardian as being devastating, which I totally agree with. It's a memorial to youth's euphoria because there's lots of throwbacks to your earlier squad as a group of friends. And then, of course, you're the one that's been given the, the cancer diagnosis. It's quite, uh, you know, obviously in, in Switzerland, it's, uh, it's legal to euthanize oneself. But it is... Uh, you know, that is something that's come into the uh, the consciousness and into the uh, you know cultural circles of um, of the of the you know taking taking one's life and having that decision to actually do that if you have a terminal illness or if you have a debilitating disease. Um, obviously, it's it's not um, uh, it's not for everybody, but um, but I think. Uh, the fact that it could be an option for people is a, yes. is is an interesting avenue or to go down. Um, and many people have had uh, years and years and years of looking after their parents or looking after someone who's ill, and it's definitely a, um, well, with the greatest compassion and empathy in the world, um, it's not a decision one takes lightly. But um, I think it's uh, it's interesting to 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 have it as an option, and people can. Um, you know, can see if it's uh, something they would want to choose. You know, as you know, and in, in that sense, it was it was uh, Tully's life. It was his decision to make. Obviously, his wife. Um, not telling your wife in the show is never a good yes, thing. That was the Ashley but, um, played by Ashley Jensen. Yes, Ashley beautifully by Ashley. She's incredible. Um, and it, um, but yeah, you know, it does have a profound effect on other people. But um, at the end of the day, I think Tully wanted to have control is you know grabbing death by the throat as it were so that's mayflies for anyone listening the bbc well it, it was on i saw it on bbc iplayer but i, I can't remember exactly <coughs> who produced it but it was maybe a bbc film yeah it was sigma sigma sigma, sigma film sigma and great, and, uh, full circle it's so lovely that actually cal mckinch was one of your friends within it actually he was part yeah. of that squad and yeah it was yeah, Martin Comston, Jobs for the Boys. <laughs> Colin, Colin McCready, uh, obviously, um, Cal and uh, Shauna McDonald, another 
Carl's wife, a friend of mine. But um, by the way, she I too did. has yeah, already. She too has been in the show already. So I'm sort of I'm just chipping away through the cast, it seems, of that particular show, Mayflies. But anyway, it is my great pleasure, Tony Curran, to welcome you to the Good Listening Two Show Clearing. So I'm going to curate you through the normal journey, uh, which is a clearing a tree, uh, a lovely juicy storytelling exercise called 54321, some alchemy, some gold, a couple of random squirrels, a cheeky bit of Shakespeare and a cake. So it's all to play for. So shall we get you on the open road then? Let's do it, my friend. <laughs> and by the way, you're, you're <laughs> such a, a brilliant, quintessential Scottish hard man of film and TV. I have so enjoyed watching the stuff that you do. So it's great to have you here. So, thank you. Um, where is what is a clearing uh, for Tony Curran? Where does he go to get cluttery, inspirational, and able to think? Well, first thing that came to mind was on top of a mountain when I'm skiing. Actually, mm. can I say that? You can. I go to Mammoth. I go to Mammoth. Uh, skiing or anywhere really. Um, last year I was in Kitzbühel in Austria, but there was no bloody snow, ironically. <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, just being in the mountains, being um, outdoors. Um, if I'm skiing on my own, which is, you know, sometimes if I'm not with the kids or they're somewhere, I, uh, it just, uh, it's just a very uh, cathartic, meditative experience being a, being in the mountains, being in the... Um, and did, did you ski as a child uh, within Glasgow? I know that the, the Scottish yeah, I, get snowy every did, now and again. I, okay, I was like 14, my brother-in-law, Martin. Martin and Liz would take me to Glen Shee and Aviemore when they had snow. Before our, before our, you know, we, we set our world on fire, alas. Um, and uh, then we'd go to Hill End in Edinburgh, actually. There was that... The, the largest dry ski slope. But Hel Helen sounds more. Helen sounds more like Helen, a Helen. Oh, Helen. Helen. I used to go do the Helen twist, man. You get slapped about. No, um, <laughs> it was uh, a <laughs> lots of powder. No, um, there wasn't much snow in Glasgow, but Helen in Edinburgh was a dry slope. But it would be quite painful if you fell. But no, I, 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 I just um, there's something about skiing that I. I love it, you know, I just love getting outdoors and I love getting up the mountain. And for me, that's a sort of a, a calm, free feeling experience for me. Yeah, that's a lovely answer. So you can be specific about which mountainscape you'd like as your clearing or you can just make it in the head. Yeah, clearing um, of just got, uh, Mammoth, Mammoth, Mammoth Mountain, California. So wonderful. Yeah. So if I may, then I'm going to arrive now with a tree, a bit waiting for Godot-esque existentially to shake your tree to see which storytelling apples fall out. How do you like these apples? A couple of comedy props come out every now and again. And this is where you've been. Thank you. Here all week. Uh, you've been kind enough to answer the uh, construct 54321, where you've had five minutes to have thought about four things that have shaped you, three things that inspire you, two things that never fail to grab your attention. That's where the random squirrel is going to come in and then a quirky or unusual fact about you. So how would you like to interpret the shaking of the canopy of your trees? Um, yeah, well, four things that in, uh, inspired me. Is that shaped what you, you first of all. Shaped. shaped me. Right, okay. Well, I definitely have to say my mama, Mary, because she's a force of nature. She's compassionate. She's funny. She's going to be 90 in November. Um, 16th, we're going over for that. So, um, yeah, my mum is definitely um, 
been a big part of my life shaping me. Um, uh, is your, dad, is your dad still with us, if I may ask? Sadly, my dad passed away when I was 27. Yeah, wow. many years ago. He was only 63. Um, uh, yeah, he died of cancer, mesothelioma. But, um, but yeah, no, I'm still thinking about my dad a lot too. Of course, Edward. But um, also, I'll throw theatre and cinema in at the same, if that's all right, if I can throw yeah. that in. Uh, always... Um, Cinema and theatre have shaped my life uh, greatly. It's uh, started in theatre when I was uh, a teenager at school, at an anti-drama school, and cinema's always been a big part of my life as well. I've always been in... Uh, well, I am an actor. <laughs> I live in Hollywood. <laughs> so I guess it shaped, it shaped me in some sense. Um, old Hollywood movies uh, and... Uh, Cinema in Glasgow, Citizens Theatre, or whatever, you know, um, uh, the West End, London, uh, going to New York when I was a kid as well, um, Broadway. Uh, I also wrote down here um, uh, travel. Travel definitely shaped me because I, I've been lucky enough to to live. I've been all, not all over the world, but I've. I had an incredible trip when I was a teenager. I was 17. I was in New York. I went for a three-week holiday, and I ended up staying for six months. <laughs> working Bay Ridge and uh, Benson, Benson Hoist, as they called it, as a laborer, or pretending I was a laborer. I had red hair and a funny <laughs> accent. To the New Yorkers, they thought, oh, this kid must know. He'd be good with his hands. Little did they know I was a, I was a, a wannabe actor. Um, so uh, <laughs> I've traveled quite a bit, you know, um, I think traveling's good. What was that? My mama, theatre, cinema, travel, and uh, um, meditation came to mind. Ah. Um, as my mother used to say, I was my auntie um, Betty after my mum went to the grocery store one day um, and she came back and auntie Betty had a wee drink and cigarette. She's lying on the couch, passed out. The place is a mess. And um, and I'm running about like a, a blue-arsed fly, as my mother would say. A blue. <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> she's like, Betty, what the hell's going on? And um, my Auntie Betty got up from the couch rather, you know, um, disheveled and said, oh, for God's sake, Mary, does he not know what his arse is for? So... <laughs> So basically, the point of that story is, um, uh, I don't know if I had ADHD or if I was just a, a mad little working class boy from Glasgow who was excited about being on this planet. But um, That's lovely. Med it's a long way for an answer, but meditation, um, as I've got older, has, um, has calmed me down somewhat. And, uh, you know, how, how did you find that? I become more pensive, more pensive, more yes. relaxed. Help me, uh, you know, spirals in your head and turn off the brain at times because, uh, you know, as a, I can sometimes be a pest, the old uh, cerebral passages, and uh, it doesn't have to be all the time if you can just try, try to manage it. So, so yeah, meditate. And as a practice for you, how often do you get to do that? And I was interested when you first stumbled into it to be able to use it as a vocabulary and a methodology for yourself. I try to do it twice a day when I wake up 
and when I go to sleep before I go to sleep at night, or even during the day, uh, you can stick. I've got this thing called Unplugged Meditation. It's a little app, which is a place here that I go to in Santa Monica as well sometimes. But I mean, the meditation doesn't have to be sitting there listening to someone talk to you. Even if you're just sitting in silence, sometimes if you're sitting in the car, if you're just sitting there quietly breathing, can be a calming, can be a meditative uh, experience. Because uh, well, we've got 50 to 80,000 thoughts running through our little, between our little ears, you know, <laughs> each day. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot of baggage, and uh, you know it's just like you're a long time dead. I think <laughs> we're not we're here for the blink of an eye, and uh, I'd rather not be, you know, thinking myself into insanity, as it were. You know, I mean that's a bit extreme, but but people um, people are extreme. We can be extreme, and our thoughts. And our feelings can be extreme, but sometimes they're not um, half the things, well, 90% of the things we think about aren't actually conscious thought. They're just sort of yeah. streams of, of, um, of uh, unconscious, you know, and I space, love your junk, space junk that's flying through our heads, you know. Space that, that junk, the atoms, really of, good, you know? the atoms of space junk. I love the description of you right. being sort of happy to be on this planet with ADHD. Subsequently, there was a lovely review I read of you when I think you're in, I think it was the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, where you had to do something as the invisible man on a blue screen, and you were described as being a smurf on acid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that, that was part of my uh, preparation, was taking some L LSD and dressing up. <laughs> but I, I take that as a compliment. Anything that, you know, that... It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a it's a good it's a good uh, it's, a, it's a good it's a good uh, it's a good line you know it made me giggle but um yeah <laughs> however you've managed to bottle it what's extraordinary i mean when i watch you being frankie the bodyguard for example in your honor what's really powerful is just that it, you're you're doing a bit of that sort of anthony hopkins stillness stuff where the danger yeah. comes from being still basically yes <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine david Brinkley said to me, he said, um, yeah, we might, my friend were watching that. And then they were, they were like, that's Tony. And they're like, that's not Tony. And it's like, no, it is, it's Tony. And he goes, but he doesn't speak. <laughs> and, he's, and he's very still. And it's like, that's very unlike him. Yeah. And we said, yeah, it must have been very difficult, a challenge for him. But um, no, it's, um, uh, yeah, I guess uh, it was an actor. You look at the script and you go, oh, right. Oh, my heart <laughs> you know, or what is the impact of this role? What, what yes. is it? What do I do? What, what does he say? Is it all of it? But yes, no, I like the idea that, um, that uh, stillness can be very powerful, obviously. Yes. And, um, you know, less is more. In Frankie's case, hopefully that was the case. And well, the energy is lovely and it takes one to know one as well in the sense that I too am, I'm fairly frenetic in my energy. And I'm, I'm I actually, I've been told many times I ought to meditate more. <laughs> so <there we> go. <laughs> How dare they? Who told you that? Oh, I, most people, most of the time. It's all good. So uh, we might have ended up with the four shapings. Now it's about three things that inspire you, Tony Curran. Right. Um, 
You know, the first thing that came to mind that inspired me was Madiba, was uh, was Nelson Mandela. Um, he's always inspired me. Just I went, I went to, I went even before I went to, I shot in the Namibia a film called Slight the Phoenix with Dennis Quaid and Giovanni Ribisi, Hugh Laurie years ago, and um, I had a bit of a, uh, a time off because I died in the film, like I do, <laughs> and I, I went to Robin Island where. Mandela was incarcerated for uh, what, almost 30 years, 29 years. Um, but I, I read while I was there, before I led Long Walk to Freedom. But um, just his whole existence and, and uh, the sacrifice that he went through for, um, for South Africa, to me, was always, uh, I don't know, he, he just, his humanity, his compassion, his empathy, his, his, uh, I don't know, it's just his soul. You could see this man, he had such a grace mm. um, under, under the apartheid regime and what he went through and what he sacrificed. To me, it has always been um, uh, inspiring. So I read a quote where his yeah. greatest weakness was that he always, always, without fail, saw the best in people, which is obviously brilliant. But of course, yeah. within the regime, that's when it would be slightly catastrophic to always, always default to that supposition. No, sure, sure. I think that's what he said once, to paraphrase it, but he said, um, it's always good to see the best in people. Sometimes they act the better for it. Um, yes. But it, it depends if you're... If you're referring to F.W. De Klerk or something, <laughs> or some of those other um, uh, individuals that he had to confront. Um, back That's in a lovely Africa. epic quest from your filming in the Namibian desert to go to the island. Yeah, of like a pilgrimage, a pilgrimage yeah. over there. And I actually sat, I went to a cell, his prison cell, and he sat and looked at where he was incarcerated for all those years. Um, it was kind of humbling and and uh, moving, very powerful, and also, um, uh, you know, the mines, they used to go, they used to work the mines as well, and uh, people have been incarcerated for, you know, prisons, it's a, but for, for the, the, the fact that what he was in prison for was so, um, was so horrifically unjust for, yes. um, for the people of South Africa and what was going on at that time. And for the rest of the world, for many years to actually overlook it is, um, was awful in itself. And anyway. And I was at the Wembley concert when he first stood up on stage and spoke wow. for the first time. And you could have heard a pin drop in the stadium. Yeah. It was a big music event, but he was, it was in his, <laughs> his honour. So I'm talking... Yeah. Obviously, late um, late late eighties it was. So Incredible, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's got that. He's got that humanity. He had that humanity, but he was also with a great sense of humour as well. Eh? Yeah. I mean, you could see that he had this, um, you know, this levity and this sort of humour about him as well, which was always a, a beautiful thing. So he's a lovely influencer. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Two other influencers. Um, you know, I'm going to say the Lisbon Lions. <laughs> um, my grandfather Tommy Riley, my mum's mum, my mum's father was the scout for Celtic from 66 to 74 
He signed players like Danny McGrain. He knew Kenny Leglish. He was a friend of Jock Steen, and um, he was a great friend of uh, Billy McNeil, um, Sean Fallon, all the Celtic team, you know, uh, Tommy Gamble, Willie Wallace, Jimmy Johnson, all, all of them, really. And um, he was in Lisbon the night that Celtic, um, some people phrase it, they were the first um, North European team to win the European Cup um, outside of, uh, you know, Inter Milan or, or, you know, Real Madrid's and, and, and so on. Um, so, uh, yeah, for me, just that the story of these men, that was one Irishman, Sean Fallon, but the rest of the team were born within a 30-mile radius of Celtic Park. Wonderful. <laughs> Which is kind of a, it's kind of a fairy tale in a sense, isn't it? Yes. 30-mile radius of the park they were born um, and uh, and they went on to lift uh, arguably, you know, the greatest domestic, well, kind of as the greatest domestic cup um, yes. and, in football. Um, and they weren't given a hope in hell, basically, against Inter Milano, the great Inter Milan, who... Um, you know, we're just going to show up and 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 sweep us away. But um, but, but your the... your Twitter feed is always so full of glee pertaining to Celtic because <laughs> I know you've just had the triple and yeah, you're, no, you're very, just I'm very proud. Yeah, I'm very proud. Yes. Of myself, man. I don't know if I see that much. I'm very. Uh, it, it's just it's not just about being a football fan. It's also the Celtic culture. You know. Yeah. I think um, it's just such a yeah a warm, embracing, fun. Uh, music, art—you know, there's um, uh, there's so many characters uh, that I've met through football. I mean, I met mm. Billy Conley over here. Wonderful. Uh, one time at a Celtic AC Milan game, at half time he came out and said to me, "I said, Billy, hi." He goes, "How are you doing?" I said, "Hi, I'm Tony. Nice to meet." You. He goes, "I'm Billy," and I was like, oh, "I'm Billy." <laughs> And, uh, but, you know, he's so sort of um, down to earth like that. And he looked at my boots. I had these cowboy boots on, ankle ones that were like green and black. And he goes, I like your cowboy boots. Where would you get them? And I said, I actually got them in, um, I bought them in Chelsea in London. He went, I know where you got them. <laughs> and I said, you do? Well, where did I get them? Um, and he said, did you get them on the King's Road? And I said, I did. I did get them on the King's Road. And he goes, did you buy them in our souls? <laughs> and I was like, what? He went, you bought them in our souls, didn't you? And I went, I fucking did buy them in our souls. <laughs> and he sort of laughed. He was like, I love that name for a store. Isn't it brilliant? Our souls. Brilliant. <laughs> anyway, that was a meeting of, uh, and he's a big Celtic fan. Where, anyway, but no, um, no, I've just said the Lisbon Lions were, uh, as I was growing up, the fact that my, my mum's father, uh, you know, worked for Celtic and had a had a hand and you know signing some players and and you're an part. ambassador, aren't you, as well for Celtic? I am, yeah. Yes, I'm ambassador along with Martin Comston. And, I mean, I haven't been because I was so busy in London doing that TV show, Mary and George, there uh, for five months. Julianne Moore, Nick Gallatin, and this is where you're doing another um, epic historical thing. You're playing King James the First, aren't you? In that, I am. Six of Scotland, first of England, yeah. So we, we shot that for five months, but um, but uh, sorry to segue, but um, <clears throat> yeah, no, the, the Lisbon Lions were always um, 
Yeah, you know, you sing you'll never walk alone at Celtic Park or at Hamden or wherever you may be with your, your scarf above your head. Uh, it does bring a tear to a glass eye. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I've actually got a plate. I've got a plate that my nephew gave me in my, uh, and it's a little plate of the Lisbon Lions. It's, um, it's also next to um, a gnome that Martin Compton gave me. <laughs> he, he had these little gnomes. He made these gnomes. For this little company he had, and the gnome is Billy, called Caesar. It's Billy McNeil raising the uh, European Cup above his head. Anyway. So he, he makes gnomes. That's pretty. Uh, that's he did. A, Martin that's, made gnomes. Yes. That's a good side hustle, isn't it? Yes. He's a, he's a little guy. A little guy making gnomes. You know, making moves. But, um, and so, Martin uh, Compton is an ex-professional footballer too, isn't he? So yes, Martin played. Yeah, he's played. A, he played a lot in the. Um, um, was it England versus the rest of the world? And um, I played in a, <clears throat> a charity, Henrik's Heroes versus uh, Lubo's Legends. Um, yeah, Lubomir Ravchik and Henrik Larson. It was 60,000 people. It was after we won the treble and um, uh, uh, thingies first season. Sorry, um, I forgot our manager's name. Uh, the Celtic manager who's just come back, uh, Brendan Fraser, Brendan Fraser, Brendan Rogers, yeah, Brendan Fraser, <laughs> Brendan Fraser, Brendan Rogers. Uh, it was his first season. We won the treble, the invincible treble. And the next day, me and Martin played at Celtic Park. Um, it was quite a uh, quite an experience, yeah. And as I said, we Shall I go on to my sorry, sorry. I, know. I was going to talk about your your skill at doing keepy uppy, even though you did confess it took twenty takes. But at the end of Mayflies, there's a wonderful. I was embellishing. I tend to do that. End. Can you tell? <laughs> do you want me to go on to the last? Um... Yeah, the last influencing thing now. <clears throat> well, there you go. I'm going to say James Cagney. Okay. Because uh, I remember watching Angels with Dirty Faces. Um, film and he, he's a gangster and uh and he uh he's you know the is it the backstreet kids or whatever the kid the kids and the um and they're basically going to become these kids that are you know a bad influence in the rest of their life because of Cagney's the gangster he's the bad guy but uh he's been put up for murder and uh, the priest goes in father goes in and, and he tries to convince him to when he goes to the electric chair that he's gonna he's gonna squeal you know he's gonna um, he's, you know, he's going to cave and basically um, uh, lose, lo lo you know, completely lose it. And um, like, uh, yeah, he's going to, he's, he's, he's going to become, yeah, he, he's going to, yeah, he's basically, he's not going to the electric chair like a man, you know, he, he's, he's going to lose his, uh, uh, his cool and he's going to, you know, become a coward basically. And uh, that's what he asked. The priests asked Jimmy Cagney to do. And it was always a, a real, I remember watching it as a kid and, and I, I loved other, you know, Cagney movies anyway. And, and give, give us the title of that film but, again. Just about those. Uh, Angel, Angels with Dirty Faces. Angels with Dirty Faces. Yeah. And by the way, that's only, only the Scottish can say murder in the way you just did. Murder. <laughs> like Martin McManus did. I did a couple of taggarts in my day, but I'd have been a murder. Murder I in the tomb. But yeah, no, he, but he ends up going to the electric chair and there's this incredible scene with the cameras behind, um, following him and behind him. 
that cuts to both and then and he's sort of you know he's like ah, I'm not squealing I'm not going to be squealing for nobody you know what do you think I am you know listen here see so <laughs> and then is it is it he walks out the cell you know indignant you know I'm not going to do that for those kids you know because if he if, if he does it the kids will be like oh he was a squealer yo well we're not going to follow his path. He wasn't no hero. So he ends up just as he's getting to the chair, he starts going, no, I don't want to go. 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 I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And he starts, he starts doing that, you know, and he loses it completely. And like, always emotional. And then they have to drag him. They have to drag him into the chair. And it was basically, he, he ends up, you know, he ends up, he does what the priest asked him to do. So the kids would look at him and go, oh, man, he was just a coward, chicken. Um, and so he saw the last thing he does. And was it for the whole, oh, sorry, you were going to say. It's a good thing. No, the last yep. thing he does, the good thing. And he ends up going to the electric chair, screaming and squealing. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Anyway, I, I just remember that being imprinted on my mind as a kid. Yes. I must watch it again, actually, because it's so, such a... It was I've not quite seen a, it. It sounds incredible. Moving, I'm, uh, moving moment, yeah, of cinema. I'm, ass- I'm assuming what you admire so much is the complete gamut of human emotion that he runs from from gangster cool to complete unhinged. Yeah. No, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And he wasn't a bad dancer either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy, but no, um, yeah, no, that that was sort of a yeah. So for me, anyway, it shaped me or inspired me because I. I as an actor, I guess, the whole idea of, um, I mean, acting for me is vulnerability. Um, I've, met, I've talked to some actors and they're like, oh, I don't like being vulnerable. And I'm like, you know, you like to show strength as a character. But I'm like, well, you have, I mean, you, you know, if you, if you get a character that's written on the page, you know, that if you get, if you're lucky enough to get offered it or if you audition for it and you get the role and you want to do it and it's interesting enough to you, to be part of it, then, then um, you give it, you give it your all, and no matter what it is, I feel in my, you know, I don't, um, I don't discriminate, <laughs> if you will, when it comes to roles. Um, it's a tough enough game, this. So but it's um, very profound that, that you, as your technique, your shtick, as the actor, is you're looking for the vulnerability. So is that what yeah, you say? No, that's I think what you do. Yeah, no, I think. Um, you know, the human condition is there to be, um, it's there to be, uh, it's there to be explored. It's there to be, it's there to be, um, it's there to be enjoyed. It's there to be wondered at. It's there to be. And expressed. You know, with, with yeah. Laugh, laugh, find humor, find joy, find, you know, it's, you know, that's what, you know, we've got the strike on right now, you know, and, you know, these uh, fat cats, these CEOs or whatever you want to call them. And uh, they're just treating this as a business now. It's just a business, you know, you're just pawns, you're a pawn. You know, <laughs> rather ironically, recently, a bit of a segue, I was at the Theatre of Dionysus in Athens, just below the Acropolis. <laughs> it seemed like such a mad irony. You know, I was standing there, <laughs> you know, the Theatre of Dionysus where it all began. And, uh, you know, thespis and were called thespians, you know, where it all began. 
and uh, there's a strike going on in America. And, yeah. The Scottish <laughs> Writers Guild, yeah. Sorry, yeah, the Screen Actors Guild, the WGE, the Writers Guild of America, and the Screen Actors Guild. And um, I was wondering, I wonder what the I wonder what the Greeks would think about this, you know. Yes. Um, <laughs> but they won't pay, uh, you know, they want the seventy-five or the hundred and twenty-five million um, bonus that they gave themselves, um, but they won't pay. Um, some actors or stuntmen or extras or, uh, what they what they're due you know for the art they create for the money they make for them it's kind of like during um <clears throat> during the uh, the lockdown I'm not blowing the trumpet of the actor or the producer or the director or the writer but you know <laughs> what was everybody doing you know Yes. Why would does everybody do anyway to escape? We watch films, we watch television, yeah, yeah. we go yeah. to the theatre. Um, and there's a great movement of standing ground currently now, isn't there? The, yeah, the world absolutely. Is changing, as the tide should is changing. Be, you know? Yeah, as yeah. it should be. Yes. Um, anyway, not to sorry to go on about that. Jimmy Cagney takes me onto. I wonder what Jimmy Cagney would think about the um, the strike right now. I think he uh, he'd be on a soapbox of sorts. Um, uh, because I just also this a, the AI and, and taking people's yes. attention, using it in perpetuity. I mean, there's all these different aspects of it that are um, uh, they're just uh, you know there's <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of human rights as well as artistic rights. You know, you're taking you you you're, you're taking the piss here big yes. time, and uh, I hope something. Um, I don't know if the government are going to get involved or hope or they can come to the table and, and sort something out, but um, I guess time will tell. Yes. The world has tilted. It has changed. The world of AI has changed everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So now we're on to, um, if I may, and Bo, if we go down any particular rabbit holes, I've got a bell, which goes, cash Good. in number yeah. two, please. Yeah. So, so we're going to just, um, it's now time to talk about squirrels, please. So what are the two, what are your squirrels of distraction? What never fails to grab your attention, irrespective of anything else that's going on for you, Tony? I, did, I you know, the, the first thing that came to mind was a uh, snowfall. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Does that, um, yeah, no, I just, uh, I, I, I guess um, that's my first honest answer. It's like, I don't I'm really, yeah. I've not been really watching. Yeah, there's a lovely thing about you being a sort of, as you said, of your own volition as a youngster, sort of quite manic and ADHD. It's a bit like showing, shaking a snowball, <laughs> which may be why you like to just right. go oh, and you calm yeah, down exactly, when you see snow. Exactly. And um, and then the next thing I, I said was because I was down, I dropped, I dropped, picked my daughter up the other day. We got some yogurt, and then we went down to Ocean Park, which is very nice, and um. We just watch the sunset. So that's another thing that grabs my attention. Um, obviously, trying to get my phone off my daughter, that grabs my attention as well. <laughs> I'm like, look, you live, in, you live in California. It's not a bad spot. We're very lucky. Um, we're very grateful. I keep saying that to her. I'm very grateful. I'm very lucky. You make your own luck as well. But yeah, um, Snowfall always grabs my attention, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of a sunset. That always grabs my attention as well, Chris. 
Those are, those, are really bo- those are really boring no. answers. <laughs> no, they're, because of your love of, of meditation, they're absolutely beautiful and appropriate. And I love the fact that the sort of harsh reality of put your phone down is on in there as well <laughs> while you're trying to be an aesthete to right. appreciate totally. the wilderness. Lovely. <laughs> And now, a quirky or unusual fact about you, uh, actor Tony Curran, that we couldn't possibly know about you until you tell us. Right, okay. Well, maybe some people do know this um, uh, about me, but I have a very... (laughs) 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 I have a massive... No, I have have a huge ego. No, um, you know that. I was I was playing a character once called Daytac Tar in a sci-fi show called Defiance in Toronto. Look at me coming back to Celtic, my greatest love next to my wife and daughter, but um, and my mother. Um, and Celtic were playing Barcelona in the Champions League. And I asked the producers, "Could I go to the game?" And he said, "What are you talking about? You're filming." And I said, "Yeah, I know, but I'm not, I'm off for the next three hours. You've got about that big, you know." You know, that scene to shoot, it's going to take a while. And I don't, you know, I'm not into that fourth, fifth scene of the day. I'd already shot in the morning. I had my wig on, white wig, um, white face makeup. And he says, okay, you can go, you can go in two conditions to the game. And I said, yeah, he goes, keep your wig on and your makeup. I was like, okay. And he says, and try to stay off the Guinness. (laughs) So I was like, well, I can see what, one out of two, see how I do. Now, I said, yes, no problem. I won't be drinking and I'll keep the wig on um, so they don't have to do all that again. So I went to see Celtic play Barcelona and uh, I put a little um, beanie on and I sort of sneaked in because I looked quite odd. I'm pale enough anyway. But anyway, um, 142 was the ticket number at half time. Celtic were one up at half time um, at Celtic Park. And I never win a raffle. And apparently half time, there's about 80 people in there. It's quite a lot of money in the pot. And uh, 142, 142, who's the winner? 142, 142. And I was like, nobody would, Willie, is it you? No, it's not me, Charlie. This is in Toronto, all these expats, <laughs> Irish, some English folk, you know. Oh, yeah, Celtic, yeah, go on. No, it's not me, not me, Willie. Uh, 142, 142, come on, who's one? It's $125 here. So I put my hand in my pocket and I pull it out and it says 142. Wow. And they're like, come up to the stage, who's one? So I end up, I go up to the stage and as I walk on, I've got my beanie on and I, and the guy looks at me and he goes, Jesus Christ, son, who have you come as, you know? Um, <laughs> anyway, I was saying, um, who's this, Jimmy Savile? No, you can always cut that out, but I looked, I looked a bit odd. <laughs> Christmas. And he goes, who have you come as, son? And I said, basically, um, uh, I told them what I was doing. And they're like, this is Tony. He's playing an alien on a TV show shooting here in Toronto. And uh, <laughs> I, I ended up putting the $125 in the pot for the, you know. For the, I, for I, the, I love the fact the director said, keep the two conditions were keep the makeup on and try to stay off the Guinness. So I think he probably knew <laughs> what you were about. <laughs> yeah. One, one out of two ain't bad. No. So I ended up... Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get on the Guinness, and uh, we ended up. We won. You, and you won the raffle. So what's meant for you won't pass. Won you the raffle. Celtic won the game. I went back to set and got my ass kicked by a, a fellow actor in a fight scene. And um, yeah, maybe some people did know that fact because actually, Chris, <laughs> Scottish actor spotted in pub dressed as alien. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was on the front of the, one of the pages of the Daily Record. 
Yeah, so you and, kept uh, a low profile. That's good. I kept I kept a low profile, and obviously someone took a picture. And if you can see it somewhere, there's a picture of me sitting there watching television with a, a glass of water. Um, and if, and my, if I may, I can go number 142 please which is the raffle ticket of joy which is wonderful so that's a great so we have shaken your tree hurrah so now we move away from the tree we stay in the clearing which is your beautiful skiing mountainscape and now we're going to talk about alchemy and gold when you're at purpose and in flow actor tony Curran, what are you absolutely happiest doing i'm in flow what i'm happiest doing is um apart from being with my daughter and my wife you know I guess it's acting, you know. When when it, when you're on set, and sometimes it's like anybody at work, you can have the on, you you know, you're you're building, you're a bricklayer, or you're a lawyer, or you're a doctor, or you're a surgeon, or you're a, you work in tech, and you can be having a, a shitty day, or things aren't good, but you're getting through it. Um, it's a labor of love, you know. Artistically, you try to create something or bring it to life or be authentic, as the modus operandum, you know. Um, <laughs> Trying and uh, find the truth when it's working, when you're on set or you're on a film or TV or when I'm on stage. It's been a while since I've been on stage now, but when everything's coming together, it's like a, a symphony of joy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm, the endorphins and the, uh, you know, they get firing when that happens, for sure. Dopamine. <laughs> Lovely. And now, finally, I award you with a cake, and you get to put a cherry on the cake, which is stuff like, what's the favourite inspirational quote that's always given you, sucker? Do you want to answer that first? Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm going back to M Mandela, his inauguration speech. It was taken from a little woman who'd written it, um, but the, the first line is, our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate, our greatest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It's our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Boom. That's part of a speech, but there you go. We'll have that. Lovely. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Listen. Lovely. <laughs> Perfect. And uh, what notes, help or advice might you proffer to a younger version of Tony Curran, now that you are where you are in, in Hollywood? Yeah. Um, yeah, listen. <laughs> um, it's going to be all right, you know. Keep fighting. Don't give up. <laughs> Keep fighting. Don't give up. I mean, I've done that anyway. But, yeah. Lovely pause as you thought about that. That was so lovely watching you think as I that. I thought what, the, what was going to come out of my mouth. Yeah, I don't know. Lovely. Yeah. Don't so be so hard on yourself. That's another thing. Don't. Don't be so hard on yourself. You can Lovely. say that to a lot of people, I guess. Yes. And now uh, we're going to ramp up to a bit of Shakespeare shortly, which is um, going to we're going to talk about legacy and how you'd most like to be remembered. But if you don't mind, just before we get there, this is past the golden baton, please. So right. experiences from within, Cal passed it on to you. Who would you most like to pass the golden baton on to to be given a good listening to in this construct? Um. I'd like to pass the golden baton on to my old friend, uh, Martin Comston. I know exactly who that is. So that's because he doesn't work much, and he's probably you know dying to talk to somebody about himself because he likes that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
So your mission, um, should you choose to accept it, thank you, is to furnish me with a warm introduction. And thank you so much. That's a, that's a, a lovely, that's a lovely baton pass. Thank you very much. Okay, so now we're, we're nearly there. Shakespeare, um, how when all is said and done, this is borrowed from all the world's stage and all the better women merely players. Who would, uh, sorry, how would you like to be remembered? I wouldn't, frankly. Okay, no, <laughs> um, it's it's a it's a it's a hell of a question to answer, isn't it? I mean, uh, I, I I guess I'd, I'd like to be remembered as gonna make me cry <laughs> as, as as someone who I don't know, as some, someone who uh, tried his best and someone who cared about people was compassionate about people um, and uh, loved people and uh, that wanted, wanted to, um, you know, through my, through my job as an actor, I guess, if you want to go there, um, moved people in some way, made them laugh, made them cry, um, made them think about life, who they are, what they are, who they want, what they want. Um, yeah, just made, made a difference in some way, in a good way. As long as I thought about this answer and I thought, I hope it, it doesn't come over as a, yeah, a sort of a, as long as it comes over as a, be remembered as someone who made a difference in some way, in a good way. It was a, a I say lovely. I say also very humbly. No, it's a lovely, lovely, <laughs> very, very deeply thoughtful and authentic answer. Thank you. Where can we find out all about you on the old interweb? Um uh, Tony Curran, 69. That's the year I was born, obviously. It's on my hat. Look. <laughs> my other hat. Um lovely. <laughs> and uh, Tony Curran on Instagram. I'm just Tony Curran on Instagram if you want to go there and watch uh, videos and pictures of me striking on the picket lines, because that's what, that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Important work to be done. As this has been your moment in the sunshine in the Good Listening To show, Stories of Distinction Genius, is there anything else, uh, actor Tony Curran, you'd like to say? I think I've said enough, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. That was a, a real privilege. So, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Tony Curran. And don't forget to check out the Good Listening To Show new website at www.thegoodlisteningtoshow.com. And if you too would like to be my guest, then you can find out how via the various series strands that you can look at at the site. And yes, thank you for listening and uh, good night. You've been listening to the Good Listening To Show here on UK Health Radio with me, Chris Grimes. Oh, it's myself. If you've enjoyed the show, then please do tune in next week to listen to more stories from The Clearing. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, then please do so. There's also a dedicated Facebook group for the show too. You can contact me about the programme, or if you'd be interested in experiencing some personal impact coaching with me, care of my Level Up Your Impact programme, that's chris at secondcurve.uk. On Twitter and Instagram, it's... At that Chris Grimes. So until next time, from me, Chris Grimes, from UK Health Radio, and from Stan... To your good health. And goodbye. Tony, thank you so much. Um, 
for recommending uh, Martin Compson as well. That's really lovely of you. Um, yeah. as, so could I get your immediate feedback on what that was like being curated through this structure? Fucking terrifying. <laughs> 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 no, I felt um, I enjoyed some of the garbage that was coming out of my mouth. It felt quite authentic. <laughs> it felt quite authentic. And you were asking some nice questions and, and engaging uh it was lovely, and um, and hopefully, uh, yeah, I'll be happy to watch this one back. You know, it's quite, it's got all, a lot of my favourite things in it. You know, yeah. You got to talk about your mother, talk about your daughter. By the way, mayflies is mayflies is so suffused with analogy and metaphor of your life because you've got your friendship group within it. Yeah, even oh, though you yeah. called it, but also there's the death of your father within it, and oh, man, also. Yeah. And there's also, you know, your own demise and football is in there as well. So it is an incredibly, I was watching it really struck with the, now we've spoken in a deeper way. I'm just very, well, further moved to talk about the analogies that are there within that programme. So it's a very, obviously very cathartic to do. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm super proud of it. It's just that the way, uh, I remember watching the second part of it. There's a scene where he's 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 packing up to go to uh, to go to Switzerland. He's packing his little bag on his bed before Ashley, his wife, comes in, and my daughter was sitting next to me. And I'm sort of a bit, you know, emotional and uh, before she comes in, and my daughter's next to me, and she was watching me, you know, kind of weepy, weepy, and. And I looked over, my daughter was crying, you know. So <laughs> it was quite, um, yeah, no, it was, I was, uh, yeah. You got to keep chipping away in this life, you know, Chris, doing what you do, do what you love. If, you can, if you're lucky enough to be doing a job that brings you joy and, you know, I've been lucky enough, I've been 40 years I've been doing this now, you know. Mm. I've been doing it since I was 14, I'm 54 this year, but. But yeah, no, that was a very moving um, uh, piece of television. And um, <clears throat> yeah, it, it, could only, it only sort of, uh, maybe it's given me opportunities to do other things, but um, it's definitely a, a show that I'm proud of. And I actually, it's funny because a year ago this week, I was dropping my sister off in Hollywood. And uh, I... Uh, I was actually originally playing the Jimmy character, you know, Martin's character. Um, but then I literally was driving up to this little place in Hollywood to drop my daughter off. And and, uh, and I got a text message from Peter Mackey Burns, the director, saying, by the way, I, I keep rereading the script and I, I can't get you, your, my head away from the fact that you should be playing Tully. Mm-hmm. And I thought Tully was going to be played by somebody else, you know. And at that point, I sort of went, oh, fuck, really? And then uh, I remember where I was, you know, when you've something, a text or a phone call, something happens, a bit of news, you know exactly physically where you were. And I was just pulling up to drop my daughter off at a fashion camp. I remember sitting there going, oh, that's, that's quite scary. <laughs> but anyway, a year down the line, it was done. The show was done. It's, you know, I've got a wee award there awards or yeah. whatever but but actually but now you've said that but, but the profound effect yeah the profound effect that it had more than awards or anything like that but the profound effect that it had on um 
on so many people is why we do what we do, I guess, you know. And, and now you've told that story, actually, that what's meant for you won't pass you by is a sort of cheesy way of putting it. But actually, the casting is perfect. It was the right ensemble and the right casting. Yeah, no, it was, it was good. No, it was great. Me and Martin, definitely. I think, you know, because it hit, we had to hit the ground running, mm. those two characters really had to uh, have a connection, Chris, you know. Yeah. And I think, that, I think me and Martin, because we worked with each other on uh, Red Road years ago, and we'd been pals through, you know, in Celtic fans or whatever. Um, that with Martin, he's such a lovely actor and such an honest, um, authentic performer that you, if you hit a bum note, he's going to sniff it, you know. So, <laughs> you know, and he helped me along the way many times with um, so many things. But, um, but I. Uh, yeah, I think there was a the chemistry between the two of us was important, you know. So yes. the thing is, the BAFTA Scott, the Scottish BAFTA TV Awards, I think they're coming up in October, November. So I don't know if if we if we for TV if if it, if it will get nominated again, you know. But um, but they, they overlooked us for BAFTA anyway, which some of our producers weren't too happy about. Sure. To, to be perfectly honest, but um, but hey, it's a film and a podcast, and you actually go. You get pulled into a UK health radio space as well with an audience right. at 1.2 million, please. Hurrah. Wow, look at that. And you get to see my big ugly mug as well, I guess. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's been a, a real delight. Chris. And thanks for watching here on Facebook too. Uh, don't forget, check out the new website, www.thegoodlistening2show.com. And you too could be my guest through the various series strands uh, that you will see within that site. Thanks for watching and good night.